Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Proverbs 27 or scroll there. This is uh, week two in our series. If, uh, the, yeah, the kids, Alexis, sit at the back if you want to go down. So week two in our series called Just So You Know. Last week we covered objective one. This is a series on what, what are we trying to do as a church. And last week we talked about the gospel. We want to spread the message. And I tried to take us deeper into the message because when you know the message, you appreciate the message. When you appreciate the message, you actually want to spread it. When you know what it's done for you. And this week, we want to talk about shepherding one another to maturity in Christ. That's what we Our objective number two of our church is we want to grow in Christ. Now, I'm not saying you're immature. When I say we want to shepherd one another to maturity in Christ, I'm not saying you're immature. What I am saying is you have not arrived. We haven't arrived. You're still in the car. You're still driving down the 401. That You're on the road of sanctification. The plane of discipleship has not landed yet. You are still running the race. And I'm going to give you four verses today. Four verses on this idea of shepherding one another to maturity in Christ. And here's what, it, well, here's what it, it taught me. We can help one another mature in Christ. We, so you got to think about this. When you come to faith, God starts a good work in you. And he wants to use you to do a good work in others. Yeah, let it, let it just kind of rest on you. And you're like, even if, I'm, if, even if I'm new in the faith, yes, because you have the Spirit in you and you have the Word of God. We can help one another become the people God actually wants us to be. Have you thought about that? When you look around the congregation, when you look around the flock, you're like, I can help that person grow and mature in Christ, live in a wise and good way. We can do that. I'm going to give you three ways. Here's the first one. By, shep- uh, by sharpening each other. We can do it by sharpening each other. Look at verse 17. It says of uh, chapter 7 in Proverbs. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. In the, another translation, a, a, a sort of a good way you could translate this is iron sharpens iron as one friend sharpens the face of another. That you can help each other. So here's, got, here's what you got to understand. We all have dull edges in our thinking and in our theology that needs to be rubbed off. And it happens when the mind of two friends collide. Let me give you an example. The other day, Kim came in the room and she's like, you know what I realized? That your theology of heaven is kind of, you know, because when I listen to you, All it sounds like we're going to do in heaven is have barbecues and tell stories. 
She legitimate. I was like, because we are going to have barbecues and tell stories. She's like, yeah, but when I think about heaven, I like nature. I like walking. You can't get me in the woods, but she likes to go to the woods. Like, she likes that stuff. And she's like, so, you know, in heaven, we're probably going to be doing some outdoorsy stuff and enjoy, like, I love the mountains. We're going to enjoy nature and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's true. And I'm sharing that to say to you that I realized in that moment that because of there's something that I kind of prefer and enjoy, there's a way that I think about heaven that I believe it's going to be that way. But I also needed her perspective to have a a, a more well-rounded idea of what we're going to do for all eternity. We all have dull edges in our thinking, in our theology that needs to be rubbed off. We need help. We need to, and she sharpened me in that way. Now, This verse also tells you something about discipleship. When you look at it closely, think about this. When iron sharpens iron, there's friction. There's friction. See, discipleship sometimes is ugly. You know, people are like, I want to be discipled. I want to be discipled. I'm like, yeah, you ready? Because it's not always smooth. Got to think about this. Your thinking gets challenged. You're exposed to the, to, the, to, the, to the ideas and perspective of somebody else. And so you might actually find out that some of the ways that you're thinking is wrong. And so you need to understand that it's tempting when you hear that then to run away from the friction. Like, oh, I'm just, I'm just not going to engage then. But don't run from the friction because here's the thing. The friction is productive. Iron sharpens iron. When you step into it, you, it's, you are growing. You are maturing. We help each other mature. We shepherd each other to maturity in Christ by also this, by counseling each other. Look at verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. This verse reminds you that there's things in life that are just hard to navigate on your own. That there's things that you're going you're gonna to go through. That there's issues that kind of fog up your windshield. That there's circumstances that steal your sleep. There's things that you cannot navigate on your own. The piercing pain of disappointment. The challenging choices that we have to make. Maybe you're sitting right now and you're thinking about a challenging choice. Something that's in front of you that you I got to decide on this. The days when you're all the way confused. You ever been there? Just like, I I don't know what to do. That person that makes you want to punch the pillow, that you just got to navigate. In those moments, that's when you need that sweet friend. That's when you need that friend that gives you earnest counsel. This idea here, earnest, means this is counsel that comes from their soul. This person counsels you in the way they wish other people would counsel them. It's selfless and sincere. It's counsel that aligns with the word of God. When you hear it, you're like, yeah, that's in the text. It's counsel that exposes where you're not thinking straight. Sometimes we're not thinking straight. It's, it's counsel that introduces things that you did not consider. It's counsel that challenges you by saying what you don't want to hear. 
Sometimes when we're making a decision, we're like, mm, I'm going to avoid talking to that person because they're going to tell me that thing. And, mm. It's measured and given with real concern, and it's counsel that leads to good results. Let me give you an example. Moses and his father, uh, father-in-law, I guess it's his dad, Jethro. Exodus 18. Moses, I tell you, I talk about Moses a lot. What a hard life. Shepherding the people. You read Exodus 18. Moses has fallen into a bad habit that sometimes leaders can fall into, which is thinking you should do everything all by yourself. And he's, he's all day judging the people, all day helping them with their troubles, right? He's got like a hero complex. I can do this. And then his, his, his father-in-law just kind of rolls up on him and says, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? You know what he says to him? He says, what you're doing is not good. He says, you're, you're trying to do it all on your own. And he, he gives him advice. He says, get some help. Find qualified people, and they will do this, and they will do that, and then you will do this. And it says, and when you do it this way, the people will go home in peace. They will actually be helped. And he follows it, and the results are good. And you realize when you look at that story that the earnest counselor is for you. You need to think about this. This, this text talks a lot about friendship. When you're th- looking for a friend, make sure you find that person who you're like, when I really look and listen to you, I am very aware that you are for me. The earnest counselor is for you. The earnest counselor wants to see you thrive. The earnest counselor cares about your well-being. The earnest counselor wants to see you make mature choices. They want to see you grow in the faith. They want to shepherd you towards maturity. So here it is. Here it comes. Ask for counsel. I'm not going to lie to you. There's sometimes when I'm sitting in some, some of you and you're telling me what's going on, and I say to you, did you talk to anybody first? Ask for counsel. And again, don't go to the person who's just going to tell you what you want to hear. Go to the person who when, they, when you look at them and you look at the way they behave with you, they're like, this person wants to see me mature. Here's the next one. Make time to counsel. Right? Sometimes we look at our schedule and you're so busy. And a brother or sister in the faith is struggling and you got no time for them. Make some margin. Look at your schedule. Say, you know what, that's a day that I'm just going to leave that four or five hour block. I'm not going to put anything there. Because I just believe by faith that God might put some, somebody there. Make time. Here's the other one. Prepare yourself to counsel. Ask, make time, prepare. You're like, how? Reading the word. Letting the scriptures just wash over you. Letting, the, letting God just kind of refine you. See, the, 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 the Bible doesn't have a verse on everything that we go through. But it has wisdom for everything that we go through. And so you just prepare yourself to be able to give a word to someone. Now you're like, Barb, you know, sometimes I don't go into the, those things because like, what if the person says something and I just get stumped? What if they say something to me and I'm just, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to answer. 
I feel my weakness. You won't always know what to say, but you'll always be able to pray. Because you have the ear of the king, and he knows all things. And he loves the person in front of you more than you. And so you just look at that person, you're like, I, yeah, I don't know. Just be humble. And say, now follow me into humility. Let's just pray on that. And see what God has to say. Be willing to embrace humility. Say amen like the baby in the back. I love when they cry out. They, always, they just teach us, right? Here's this last one. We shepherd each other to maturity by correcting each other. Oh, that's the tough one. Oh, yeah, I love it. We shepherd each other to maturity by correcting each other. Now, giving correction, you know it, right? It's hard. Don't you feel it sometimes? You're like, I see that thing in that person's life. But I don't know if I should say anything. Will they get mad at me? Will they cut me off? Will they call me out on something in my life? Sometimes, right, we're like, the, th- the reason why we're not speaking is like, I know I got a couple things going on, and I really hope they don't say anything about it. And so we are, we're afraid to step in. But let me show you. It's hard, but it's healthy. It's an act of love. In my Bible, I got to flip back. But flip back to verse 5 of chapter 27. It says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Perfused are the kisses of an enemy. Just think about Judas there. Perfused are the kisses of an enemy. Kissing the Savior, fake love, while Jesus was giving him real love. Perfuse are the kisses of an enemy. That word rebuke, you just want, you want to circle it and just right there. It reminds me that I'm going to make mistakes. Remember, I started by telling you, you haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. We're going to make mistakes. I'll give you some examples. Peter. What does Paul say? Paul says that Peter, he had to go and confront him because he, when he was standing with some Gentile brothers, and when the Jewish brother showed up, he stepped away from them. He, and, and Paul says, you're acting out of step with the gospel. You're actually doing something that's racist. Because when the Jewish brother saw you, you're like, oh, I, I, I can't associate with these people. And you walked away and you hurt those people. And so Paul corrects him. How about the disciples? They're arguing. Who's the greatest? I always love that argument. Who's the greatest? And Jesus is standing there like, okay. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. And Jesus is like, has anybody seen the bread of heaven that came down? Who's the, and Jesus, he corrects them. The greatest is, is those who serve like Jesus served. He corrects them. We're going to make mistakes. And now you got a question in your mind. You're like, Okay, isn't counseling and correcting the same thing? If you didn't ask the question, I'm asking it for you. Isn't it the same thing? No. 
Counseling is meant to stop you from taking the wrong path. Correction happens when you are on it. When change needs to come. When you need to be pulled back. And here's the thing. That word wounds reminds you correction hurts. It hurts. In 2015, I think it was 2015, I was playing basketball in a gym. Kim was there, and I think Zion was born at the time, right? Yeah, Zion. And played one game. I was feeling myself. I played well in the first game. Yeah, I was dropping dimes, too. Just, yeah, I'm not lying. Kind of. <laughs> and then the game ends. Andy was there. We won. And Kim's like, we should go home. I'm like, no, nah, let me get one more. She's like, you know, got church in the morning. We, you know, I was like, no, nah, let me get one more. Game starts, you know, and I'm dropping dimes again. And, I, you know, I beat this kid off the dribble. I really beat him off the dribble, too. And, uh, and I go up, and he blocks me from behind. When I land on my leg, and my knee separates. Yeah, I look down. I could see it. Oh, yeah, I know. And so I'm saying to Kim, like, yeah, I think it's fine. She's like, <laughs> she's like, it's not fine. She had to get, go home. We had a van at the time. I shimmied myself out of the gym on the floor because I couldn't. When I lifted my leg, it would just fall because I tore my patella. So we got in the car. Let me speed up. So we got in the car. We drove to a hospital. Uh, and uh, the guy's like, yeah, I think you did something to your ligaments. I was like, yeah, I think it's okay, though. And I had to have surgery. So had surgery. Then my leg was in one of those leg casts for three months, just straight. And couldn't, couldn't move it. Then I went to the, the doctor who did it. I was seeing him at the fracture clinic. His name was Christopher Liu. And uh, it was time for my leg cast to come off. And he's talking to me, talking to me. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he's like, how's it going? It's going okay. And then he just yanked my leg in place. So my leg was straight. And honestly, I, I think I blacked out. And I don't know if you were here last week, but I'm not afraid to cry. I'm pretty sure I cried. And it hurt. Here's the thing, though. I could walk. I could walk. He hurt me, but he helped me. I could walk straight. I could run again. He hurt me. But he helped me. And I'm giving you that illustration because that's the way you are to think about biblical correction. I'm giving it because I want to help. I'm receiving it because the person in my life loves me enough and wants to see me walk right. It hurts, but it's meant to help. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That word friend makes me think of Jesus. The rebukes he gave his disciples were the wounds of a friend. Think about this. He's standing in front of Peter, and what does Peter say? I will never deny you. Jesus looks, looks, looks at him and says, yes, you will. Yes, you will. See, Peter was living in a fantasy, Jesus brought him back to reality. 
Peter was swimming in immaturity. And Jesus hit him with some honesty to push him, to shepherd him towards maturity in Christ. When you choose to correct someone, you know what you're doing? You're following Jesus Christ. You're being like your Savior. You're showing how much you love the person, how much you want their best. A couple questions in your mind. What if they're older than me? 1 Timothy 5 says, Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the older women as mothers. Nobody has arrived. But there's a, there's a level of respect and honor that we have to speak to others. What if I've gone to them before? What if I've tried this before? Pray, take somebody with you, and go again. Pray that they would respond. The road to maturity goes through the city of correction. The road to maturity, if you're following the text, requires community. Have you noticed how many times the word friend is mentioned? See, discipleship, growing in maturity, shepherding one another to, to maturity is just two friends saying we are going to help one another grow in the faith and live in a way that is wise and live in a way that brings glory to God. So let me say two things about correction. A couple things, two things on correction and, one th- and a couple things on community. Here's the thing about correction. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. Proverbs 21, that whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Proverbs 12, sorry, Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But the one who hates correction is stupid. Every time we read that verse in our house, the boys go, <gasps> It's a bad word, Dad. I'm like, it's in the Bible. Whoever hates correction is stupid. The other one, when it comes to correction, make sure you see it for what it is. Uh, Psalm 141 verse 5 says, Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. It is a kindness. Next one, make sure you examine it. Sometimes people give correction. They don't get everything right. They get some things right. Examine it. Don't just, you know, just like, ah, whatever. Push it aside. Turn it over. Is there something in there? The other one is let God know about it. Pray. God, this was said to me. God, I'm feeling this way, you know, what this person talked to me this way. Help me not to go to bitterness. Help me not to turn around and attack them. Next one, last one. Talk to the person who shared it. Circle back. You said this. You got this right. I think you're off this way. Can we have a clarification on that? Community. Go back and forth. If you're doing the correcting, pray and make sure that your heart is actually for the person. Sometimes we try to speak in the person's life, and all we want to do is really hurt them. And so slow down. Is my heart truly for this person? And if you find that that's not the case, then you are actually not trying to shepherd them to maturity. You're just trying to get back at them. That's not love. 
The other one, speak carefully, kindly, and privately. Charles Bridges wrote this, Rebukes must not contravene the express rule of love, telling the fault between thee and him alone. I love this. Too often, instead of pouring it secretly into our brother's ear, it is proclaimed through the wide medium of the world's ear, and thus it passes through a multitude of channels before it reaches its one proper destination. Don't gossip. If you see something in a person's life and you're like, yes, this is an area of immaturity, then go to them alone and say, I love you, so I'm coming to say this. Because if you put it there, put it there, put it there, let me just tell you, in this, you're actually attacking our community. Because you're causing a relationship to break down in the family. And so you want to think wide and deep, not just about yourself, about the entire flock that you are actually involved in. This last one, remember your turn might come. When you're given correction, just remember that. It's probably coming. And when you remember that, it gives you, you go with the spirit of humility. You go with this preparation that I haven't arrived. I'm going to shepherd this person towards maturity, but somebody might have to turn around and do that exact same thing for me tomorrow. So we do it with gentleness. Let me say this last one, a piece about community. John Kitchen said, no person can be their best or reach their highest, uh, the heights God intends for them without those blessed friends who comfort, provoke, challenge, rebuke, chide, affirm, stimulate, and encourage until their thinking is clear. His wisdom is mature, his purpose refined, and his faculties sharp. We need one another, friendship, community. So here it is, build friendships. Build friendships. Don't isolate. Actually, talk to one another. Go meet a person. If somebody is new to the flock, go over and talk to them. What's your name? Welcome. Where do you live? How are you enjoying the winter? I'm not. Build friendships. Here's this other one. Ask for discipleship and mentoring. You want, you're like, I want to mature. I want somebody to shepherd me. Ask somebody. Talk to somebody. There are lots of people here that are willing to do that. Remember I told you, create margin, make some space. Do that and then just say, God, I pray that somebody would just come up and say, hey, can you walk with me in the faith? Can you help me? Can you disciple me? And let's do that together. Ask for it. Here's this next one. In your current relationships, don't just stay on the surface. In your current friendships, in your current relationships, don't you have some that there's just so surface level? When you look at it, you're like, we get together, and truthfully, when, we, when I go back and examine it, we talked about nothing. I have all kinds of relationships. I'm like, what did we talk about? Basketball? For like three hours. And then something happens in that person's life, and I'm like, I never asked them anything of consequence. I never, we never got deep. So what do you do in your friendships? Mix it up. Talk, dig deep. Ask the hard question. Don't just go home wondering, should I have asked that? 
Because when that person is on the mat, now there's going to be more work to pick them up. How about we just stop one another from going over the cliff by saying, is there something going on in your life that I need to know about? Are you going through something that you require my help with? And it's not always that it's everything's falling apart. Sometimes it's like, what can we start doing now to prevent this from happening? Sometimes we just, that's, it's just a question of prevention. And so I hear a lot of people in our church say, we want community, we want community, we want community. I'm like, so do I. But I want the, what the kind of Bible talks about. Just look at the, commu- the fellowship Jesus had with the disciples. That's a community. They got into it. And sometimes what we talk about is we just want somebody to hang around with for a time so that we just feel okay. But we don't want to go deep. And so the community that we talked about is that fluffy stuff. And sometimes that's okay. Jesus and the disciples kicked it. They were at weddings. They were. They were. I, w- I wish I was at that wedding, all that wine. Right? You say, man, they, they usually save the, you know, the, the good stuff early. You saved it for late. Anyway, mix it up. Go deep. And don't just buy into the culture's lie of what this surface level community. Go for the one the Bible talks about. Where there's love, there's affection, there's counsel, there's correction. There's sharpening going on. That when you walk away, you're like, that is a sweet friend. When you walk away, you're like, I feel like I'm, sh- I'm being pushed towards more mature living. Not that immature stuff that I'm involved in from time to time. Go deep. Here's this other one, last one. Don't stay on the sidelines of our church. I've seen people come, and you're in, but you're kind of halfway in. You've only come so far. And sometimes we do that because we're like, you know, if the people here really knew me, would they love me? I get it. And sometimes you're halfway in because you're like, the last place I was at, nobody loved me. The last place I was at, they talked about all kinds of community, and I never really felt it. And so you hesitate. I get it. Now, this is not a perfect place in no way, trust me. But I'm telling you from the heart, we want to be deep. We want to know one another. We want to do our best to shepherd each other towards maturity. And so if you're just kind of on the sidelines, I want to encourage you to just come right through the door. Step membership. Come to events. Join some things. Let us know what's going on. Again, it's not going to be perfect. But we are going to do our best by the power of the Spirit to try to walk with you. And when we make mistakes, tell us about it. Because we want that community. We want that friendship. We want to shepherd each other to maturity in Christ like the Bible talks about. And that takes work. And it takes all of us. And so if you're thinking about coming in, come in. And if you're in, open up. 
And let's shepherd each other, step into those deep relationships towards maturity in Christ. Because that's what God wants. And we can help each other get there. Let's stand and pray. God, we give you thanks, Lord God, for the word. I pray that it would have been a word that helped, that encouraged, a word that challenged, a word, Lord God, that moved us towards maturity. I pray that in my preaching, there would have been shepherding. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, as we go towards this objective, as we continue on, knowing, God, that we have not arrived. Lord God, that we're on the way, but we are on the way together. You have designed things in such a way that part of our sanctification is being part of a deep fellowship. And I pray, Lord God, that that would be our church, that we would work for that. That it would be something that we put time to, that we make an effort for, that we would pray about, that you would put it on our hearts, that this would be a place where the relationships are meaningful, where the membership here has value, where we shepherd each other to maturity in Christ, where we, Lord God, love each other as friends as we move towards the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. who is holding us, watching over us, sanctifying us through our work. We thank you for the Spirit who is in all of us. Would you empower us by your Spirit, Lord God, to help one another? That's what you want. Help us to do what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.